Church, are you ready for God's word? Amen, amen, amen. Well, I am so glad you're here, and I am so glad to be be starting a brand new sermon series. The sermon series that we're we're starting is is entitled Speak Life. Speak Life. And so we're going to talk about the power of our words. Now, I want to warn you ahead of time, this won't be your regular five-part series. I'm actually going to go seven parts because that's how much it's going to take to get you straightened out. I'm just kidding. How It's going to take that much to straighten us out and to really get into God's word and, and cover all that I feel like the Lord is, is having us uh, dive into and, and really just bring forth. But the power of words, they're very, very, very important. Very important. But I want to ask you, how important are our words? How important are our words? Now, we say they're important. But how important? In fact, let's go to God's word. We're talking about kind words. We're talking about good words. And then Jesus starts off with brood of vipers. Uh Uh-oh. Pastor, what in the world? Brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Now, let me share something with you for a second. Every time you see Jesus speak... Every time you see Jesus act, you're witnessing love in action. Because the Bible says that God is love and Jesus is God. And so when you see Jesus, you also know that God so loved the world that he sent his son. And as his son, he is the personification. He is the word of God's love to us. And so all of God's word is his love letter to us. All of it. Now, we need to talk more about it as we go along in this series, but I want us to understand this. I also want us to understand that if Jesus is saying, you brood of vipers, what do you think he's trying to get across? You think he's trying to insult them? How many parents in the room? I know, I know that it's going to be a very, very small amount, but how many parents have ever raised their voice with their children? I know you never raised your voice with your children. You just don't do that. But anyone ever raised your voice at your, at your son, at your daughter? You know, why do you do that? You're trying to get your attention, their attention. Let me ask it another way. This puts you in a better light. It'll set you at ease. Let's say you have a little one and they're running towards the street or they're moving very quickly towards a busy parking lot. Are you going to say, honey, child, son, daughter, would you please come hither? You know, would you please come here? Would you please stop? Stop if you don't mind. What are you going to do? You're going to yell at the top of your lungs. Stop. This is Jesus yelling at the top of his lungs, stop before you lose your soul. That's what he's saying to them. Because who is he talking to? He's talking to hard-hearted, prideful religious leaders that stand in judgment in their pride over everyone. And now he's there, God in the flesh, the son of the living God, And they're judging him. Think about that. 
Sometimes we do the same thing. We stand in judgment over God's word. Well, well, to me, I don't like that. To me, I wouldn't say that. To me, I I can't get with that. To me, God is this. To me, God is that. Can I tell you? He's saying to you, stop. Stop. Because words are important. They're important. And so he goes on to say, how can you be an evil speak good things? He's telling them the condition of their heart. He's trying to strike fear in them. Do you know that fear is a good thing? And the church does not understand that well enough. The Bible says because of fear, we turn from our sins and repent. Because of fear, we are awakened to the fact that we need a change. Because of fear, we say, I don't want to go to hell. And this is what he's trying to do in their hearts. He's trying to say, hey, I need you to understand the condition of your heart. And so Jesus' words are important. They're words of love saying, you brood of lifers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Let's go back to that question. How important are words? Jesus just said you're going to give an account for every single word. Anyone feeling like, holy smoke, oh no, oh my goodness. Anyone feeling like, wow, I didn't realize they were that important. Let me, let me share something with you real quick. It's been said. That in one day, we speak about this many words. And enough to fill a book this size in one day. Pretty impressive. One day, this is your book. So, one day. Watch this. One week. We speak enough words to fill a book this size. How many of us are saying, wow, I didn't realize we we spoke that much? Hey, one month. One month. This is the biggest book I have in my library. One month. This is how many words we speak. Can we go back to God's word? But I say to you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. This is one month. How many volumes do we have in heaven? What are those volumes like? How many of us are going, wow, Lord, I I didn't realize words were that important. Words are important. Do you realize that When Jesus Christ created, he created with his words. The Bible says that he created all things. That he is above all things and for him all things were created by him. 
through him and for him. And so if, if we're talking about his creative power, do you realize you'll never find in God's word where Jesus just waved his hand and just went like this and things were being created or pointed forth. He spoke it forth. Now let me share something else with you. We are created in his image. So is it possible that we reflect him in the earth today? And, that, and, and this is where I think um, the church has been challenged because every time that God restores a valuable principle to, to God's people, to his people, this is a valuable principle about the power of words. You know, the enemy comes in and tries to, tries to erode it, confuse it, and manipulate it. And so we get, these, we get these messages and we get this revelation that there is power in our words. And then the enemy comes in and he stretches it to the point that, that he makes it absurd. And so people are out there talking about, you know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, you know, speak to your driveway and, and confess and, and, and believe for a certain type of car and it will appear. Uh, have anyone ever tried that? Don't, don't answer that. You know, that, that's, that's goofy. You know, or, or speak to your wallet and, and speak the exact amount you want in it and these kind of things. No, no, no. I'm going to share with you a very, very simple message today, but it's, it's the one that this should be built on. I'm, I'm laying a foundation for us. And the foundation that I'm going to be laying today is this, is that you have God's word. You're either going to agree with this or you're going to agree with the enemy. And based on how you agree will determine the quality of your life. Because the Bible says there's power in agreement. You can agree with God or you can agree with the enemy. And so I want to share with you that we speak words and words are important to God. And you might be here today saying, but pastor, if I'm going to give an account of these, then I'm feeling pretty lousy right now because I've said a lot of miserable wretched things. And I'm here to tell you, this is why you need the power of the living God to change it all, to change it all. And stop agreeing with the enemy and agree with God and say, Lord, I'm going with you. Because there is power in words and words are powerful. Now, do we have the same power that God does? No. But his power will be manifested and released in your life when you agree in faith with his word, with his word. And so I want to share with you another passage, and it's found in Proverbs 18, 21. Now watch this. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Now, do you see what's happening here? The sage, the wise sage has just flipped it. Typically, it would say, by what we eat, we're satisfied, not by, by what comes out. Do you see how he's flipped that? It's say, he's saying, what comes out of your mouth satisfies your stomach. What you produce from in here will determine the quality of your life. But we've been taught what you eat determines how you feel. What you eat determines how you live on a physical level, but he's talking spiritual because the spiritual is a higher order. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, by the way you speak, the quality of your life will be determined. 
You're either going to speak life. You're either going to speak good things. You're going to either speak positive things. You're either going to speak uh, creative things, or you're going to speak destructive things, negative things, fearful things. And watch how he finishes it up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, how many of us would look at that statement and say, wow, that's a powerful statement. I don't know if I'd totally believe that if it wasn't in God's word. Because the question we're asking today and answering is how important are our words? Here, God's word says death and life are in the power of the word. Death and life are in the power of the words you speak. So much so that God's going to hold everyone to account. This is a month's worth. Can you imagine my life up in heaven? Just volumes. And every word will be accounted for. You say, Pastor, I don't like that. Would you rather me say, brood of vipers? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. What I'm trying to get us to understand is that Jesus put it in there for a reason. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants us to understand there's tremendous power in the words we speak. So much so that he wants us to be mindful of them. And and this is where, where it comes out. Watch. If you go back to the Matthew passage. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it really determines, where's your heart at? Does your heart belong to Christ? That's the first question. If it does belong to Christ, then you've been made new. And he has plunged this in the deepest sea, washed it white as snow. And he separated it like the east is from the west. He no longer remembers your sin. It's done. Okay? Number one. Is your heart, does your heart belong to the Lord? Have you accepted Christ with all your heart? If you have, is he filling your heart? Remember what Paul says to the Ephesian church? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. For if you're drunk with wine, that's an earthly thing. If you're controlled by earthly things, then it will fill your life. He says this in so many different ways. Let me share a couple more things with you. Matthew chapter six, Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount to the people. And he says this, he says, he says, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. Have you made Christ your only and greatest priority? If you haven't and your treasure is over here, then that's where your heart is too. Okay, watch. He says this, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And then he says, he talks about the eyes. And I think he talks about the eyes because some of us have given given him our heart, but then we get distracted with our eyes. He says, the eyes are the window of your soul. Be careful what they look at because if what they're looking at is evil, then you'll be filled with darkness. And out of that darkness, your mouth will speak. But if your eyes are good, that means if you're fixated on the things of God, 
then your, your, your life will be full of light. And out of that light, you will speak. It's what the word of God is saying to us. You go, but what do you mean? See, you can give your life to God, but then go ahead and give your attention to this world and be filled with envy and competition and always worried about materialism and always worried about this and that. And you're going to speak out of that. People get caught up in lust and you hear them speak and they're always sharing like everything's always a sexual, sexual innuendo and, a, and, and, and a, this and that. And they go, do you know what I mean? And I go, no, no, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. I don't talk like that. That's not where my mind's at. If you're saying, oh my goodness, that's me, then, then you know, what are you looking at? Where is your heart at? If you've given your heart to Christ, then maybe your eyes are influencing what's coming inside. Give him your eyes too so that you can be filled, not with wine or any other earthly thing, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, this word thing is about the enemy and God. In that same verse, those same verses, I wish I could put the whole Bible up here for you and just read it. Just come on, read the whole thing. Because I'm I'm, I'm in Matthew chapter 6, 19 on through 25. And you can just read there. And he's talking about the eyes. And he's talking about the heart. And he talks about two masters. You remember that? He says, you cannot serve both of us. You're going to either serve me or you're going to serve the other guy. And the other guy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. So who do you want? He's asking. Who do you want? Because watch. Last sermon series, Detox, we used a verse out of, out of Ephesians 2. And I want to remind you what that verse said. It said, in which you once walked. That means he was talking, you used to walk like the non-Christian. You used to be under the power of who? The prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? That means that our words, our words are either under the control of the enemy who has them be spoken out or God in which we can agree with. See, there is an enemy, and he's the, he's the prince of the power of the air. The air represents the airwaves that go out. How we speak goes out and is received. And so we have to be careful. Who are we honoring with these words? See, our words don't have creative power the way God's word does. But when we agree with God's word and we speak that positive message over our life, then we unleash the what? The power behind it. You say, but wait a minute. Does God's word have power? I just shared with you when he spoke, the stars leapt into existence. You tell me if that's power. That's pretty impressive to me, is it not? Stay with me on this. Because it has the power of life. This is what you find throughout the New Testament. I've just included two. As you behold firmly, no, as you hold firmly, excuse me, as you hold firmly to the word of life, Paul is saying to the Philippian church, then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. If you hold on to God's word, it's going to turn out great. 
But watch the way he refers to God's word, the word of life. Watch what Peter says in John chapter 6, verse 68. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Not just life, but eternal life. Now, do you see why Solomon said there's power? The power of what? Death and life. You can, you can speak according to the prince of the power of the air, or you can speak according to the prince of peace. And Jesus already told you that there's power when you agree. You can either agree with the enemy for death over your life, or you can agree with God for life, for life. You say, okay, pastor, but how does this take place? Now, here is where it gets technical, and I want you to really stay with me, would you? Would you? We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God's word represents Jesus. And this is what I want you to understand. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. The Father declares it. The Son administers it. What did Jesus say? I don't do anything of my own accord. Everything I do, I've taken from who? From the Father. I received it from the Father. I'm here doing the will of the Father. So the Father declares it. The Son administers it. The Spirit manifests it. The Spirit is the power of function. The power of function. You say, how so? Well, read with me in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. What is he saying? The finger of God. Matthew covers the same passage and he says, if I cast out demons by the what? Power of the spirit. So Jesus speaks deliverance, but the spirit makes it happen. Do you see what I'm saying? You agree with the words of Jesus Christ, which are in his word, but the spirit of the living God moves his church forward, moves your family into agreement, moves your family into victory, moves your marriage. In... You're not quite there yet. I need to give you more. Here we go. Watch this. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Who's he talking about here? It's the same Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. I cast out demons by the finger of the Spirit. Here, he created by the hands of the Spirit. You go, but, but the Spirit doesn't have hands. The gospel writers and the Bible writers are using figurative language to help us to understand that the spirit is not just this cosmic force. He's the third person of the Trinity. You go, well, how so? The spirit has a will, the Bible says. The spirit has determination, which is the will. The spirit gives instruction. The spirit can be grieved, can be ignored, can be lied to, can be quenched. All of this is found in the New Testament. The Spirit bestows gifts. The Spirit can enter and leave. I'm not saying a person. We've seen in the New Testament where the Spirit fell and entered the room. Or entered the jailhouse where, where, the, where the apostles were. 
it can leave as well. So what I'm saying is this, that the spirit of the living God is the manifested power of the word, of the word. You might ask, why are you going to all these links to, to convince me of this, to share this with me? Because I want you to know how important words are. Watch. Isaiah 40, verse 12 through 15 says this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breath of his hand, marked out or marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? He's talking about the spirit creating with his hands. He says the whole world is in the pond. All the waters of the world are in his hand. He can put all the dust of the earth in a basket. What is he saying here? Watch, the, watch verse 15. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. He goes on to say things like in other versions, if you read it in other versions, he says, he holds the entire world like a speck of sand in his hand. What he's talking about is the grand power of the spirit of the living God. Jesus declares it. If we believe it, the Holy Spirit makes it happen. Makes it happen. I'll talk to you more about this in just a second, but but stay with me on this. We're talking about creation and the function of the Holy Spirit. We know that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a what? Living being. How did this happen? Well, Job shows us it was the spirit of the living God. Go to Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me. Wait, wait a minute. But I thought God formed. The Spirit of God is God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They said, let us make. God declared it. The Son spoke it into existence, and the Spirit manifested it. And here you have You have the verse saying you were made. And you know what? The life that you create, you're going to, what? You will be satisfied or dissatisfied based on who you're serving. And your words declare who you're lining up with. You're either lining up with the prince of the power of the air or you're lining up with the spirit of the living God and the word of the living God and saying, this is what I believe for my life. If God said it, then I believe it. You know what's so interesting? The Bible also says if God declared it, his hand performs it. So Lord, if you said it, it shall be. It shall be. Why are words important? You say, Pastor, I I, I still don't get, keep keep this in your heart. I'm going to share with you why I've gone through all this trouble with the Holy Spirit. But first, the plan of salvation. Watch what the word of God says. Because many of us think, that it's the word of God and the word of God only that brings salvation. It's the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? It's the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Bible says without the Holy Spirit, you don't come to conviction. You don't come to, to realize you need a Savior. Let's read what the Bible says here. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 14. In 1 John 1, 1, I mean, not 1 John, in John 1, 1, he's talking about this idea of the Word. The Word is Jesus. The power behind the Word is the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and was God. It talks about his creative force. And then it says that the Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. How did Jesus become flesh? If you read your word, you know that the Holy Spirit was there at that immaculate conception. You say, why is this important? I was struggling on my first message to launch the sermon series. And God has been dealing with me severely on this idea of my words. I'm too casual with my speech. I'm watching a basketball game with my children and my son-in-law. And I'll say things that I probably shouldn't say about the refs. (laughs) Anyone with me? I, 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 you know, I'm like, I say things about this or I say, and I, or I start to watch political news and I start to say things. And then I remind myself that You know, regardless of what I think, I have to be careful and line up my speech with God's word. And so this has bothered me, especially when when these things that I say have a negative impact on my wife and my children and my family and my witness. And so the Lord has really been working on me and he's taken me through a tough time of of pruning and and, uh, fashioning and and sifting, and, and he's taken me through this time, and I started to feel a sense of excitement because I can see progress. And so I started to brag to my wife and to my brother and to others saying, man, I'm really getting a hold of this thing. Did you notice what I just said? I'm really learning from God's word. I am reading his word and I'm, I'm making it count in my life. I, I, I. And the Lord said, no, no, no. The word is powerful, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in you. And so this past weekend, he really humbled me. And Melissa just wouldn't stop arguing with me. She just argued, like arguing and arguing. And, and I just realized it was me. But of course, it's hard to realize that at first because you think it's the other person always. It's always the other person, right? It's never, never us. It's always them. And I started realizing that, that maybe I hadn't come as far as I thought because while I was trying to claim his word and you say, but pastor, what does this mean? It means that without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not saved, which is step number one. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you won't keep your eyes on the prize, which is step two, because you can give the power, you can give the spirit your heart, but then be filled with all kinds of trouble from this world. Okay. So you give God your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You keep your focus on him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you walk this out in humility by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so while I got discouraged, I said, I'm not going to preach the message. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something else. I'm not there yet. God said, you'll never truly be there. So preach the message and remember my word. And just then I felt something in my heart remind me of Philippians 1.6. Being confident that he who began the good work is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means you're not doing it, Chris. Agree with my word and let me work in you. Come on, is anyone here hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes we think, well, pastor, I can't understand God's word. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you according to Corinthians. I can't seem to walk out God's word. No, you can't. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God's word goes forth. You agree with it. The Holy Spirit gets it done. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Somebody needs to give glory and thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. See, he sent out his word and healed them, rescued them from the grave by the power of this Holy Spirit. Watch this. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Do you realize the first function of the Holy Spirit in your life is to show you you're a sinner? Everybody wants to be made to feel good, but the Holy Spirit makes you feel bad and then shows you you need a savior because that's why Jesus came. I didn't come to those that don't realize they need a doctor. I came to those that know they need a doctor. Why is he speaking harsh to some and soft to others? Because to the proud, you speak harshly. To the humble, you speak gently. Notice Jesus' example. Every time he found a proud man, a proud woman, he spoke harshly to them. When he, fought, when, he, when he found a soft heart, like the woman caught in adultery, he stooped down low, wrote on the ground, and he says, where are they that condemn you? Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. But notice to those that stood high and puffed up, he spoke, you brood of vipers. Well, pastor, that's kind of my style. I tend to go with the brood of vipers. I go with the brood of vipers approach, right? Can I tell you something? If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But if you read God's word and let the Holy Spirit use you, he'll use other tools. He'll use other tools. But let's get back to salvation. I'm almost done. Here we go. Watch this. He convicts the world of judgment and of righteousness. He shows you God is not to be trifled with. God is holy. There's no way you can get there without help. That's what he talks about. Convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. We tend to think that righteousness is down here. How many times when I witness to somebody and I start talking to them about facing judgment, they go, I'm not that bad. I take them through the Ten Commandments. They're horrible. We're horrible. But we tend to think God is, eh, he's like one of us. He's not. That's idolatry to make God like us. I get that all the time. Well, to me, God is, who cares? What does God's word say? No, I mean, come on, be serious with me. But to me, to me, my God would never, my God, you've made a little God that you can put in a box and cuddle up with. 
Read Isaiah. He's the God that hung the stars, holds the world in his hand. He's an awesome God. An awesome God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Watch. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and makes it come alive to us. Makes it come alive to us. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says to the Romans. It is the power of God to salvation. The word of God is the power of God by the leading of the Holy Spirit as he convicts, shows us what the level of righteousness is and brings salvation to us. Watch. How are we saved? There it is. That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see that connection again that we've been developing and the Bible keeps hitting? Heart, mouth, heart, mouth. The gospel is heard. The Holy Spirit works it in our heart and we confess unto salvation. It's right there. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Remember, convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened when I was saved, yes. And that's how we're to live every day. Every day under the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill my heart and let me speak. Faith-filled confession. Faith-filled confession to my wife in every aspect of life. See, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And our, our words express our faith to God, express our hope and love to God, but also to others. Isn't that what the gospel message is all about? Love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart first. Your mind, your body, your strength. Love him, but then love others. And so our words express our love, our faith, our hope to God, but also to each other. Do you realize that the very next verse after, listen to me very closely, after death and life in the power of the tongue from Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? Is what the proverb says. But then the very next verse, watch what he says. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Do you think that's coincidental? No. How many of you know that, that you can either build a great marriage or tear it down with our words? I'm always surprised at how couples come into our office or in our presence and they, they speak down about one another. And I stop and I think to myself, if only they understood the power of their words. Because what they're speaking, they're creating. They have the exact wife they've spoken into existence, so to speak. They have the exact husband that they've been speaking all these years. They could create something great. Can I tell you something? You can create an amazing marriage because God is for you. 
God is for you. You can have an amazing family because God is for you. And he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to make it happen in the word of God that you can agree with, that you can agree with. But there's an enemy trying to get you to agree with him too. Who are you going to agree with? You say, pastor, are you sure? Are you sure there's power in our words? Well, go to Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. By the word. Do you realize that we wash each other and make each other clean by the way we speak? I want you to think in terms of how am I washing? How does Jesus wash his bride? I can see her, I can see him washing her in the gentle cycle, right? In the gentle cycle. Some of us, some of us don't wash our spouse in the gentle cycle. We take out the sandblaster. (laughs) And we're sharp with our tongue. Well, pastor said to the proud, you speak Can I also say that God said, be careful about worrying about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in yours. So be careful. We're going to talk about how to use our words to build a great family, a great church, and a great relationship with our king. With our king. Amen. Before we go any further, I want to ask you a very, very important question. Are you still at step one? Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, it's not a matter of my eyes being distracted. I don't believe my heart has ever been truly given to God. I haven't given my heart to God. I haven't experienced that powerful life change of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, don't go a single day more without it. Today, give him your heart. How do I do this? With your head bowed and your eye closed, your eyes closed, would you just say, Holy Spirit, would you convict my heart? And if you're feeling that conviction and you're saying to yourself and talking it out with the Holy Spirit, saying, I want to give my life completely to you, Lord. Once and for all, I want to confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I want you to raise your hand. Not to me, but as unto the Lord. Say, I see a hand over here. Anyone else? I see a hand right here, right here, over here. I want from the abundance of my heart, Holy Spirit, to speak life. Life. So right now, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Can you have that conversation with him? I confess you as Lord and Savior. You are the Son of the living God. Holy Spirit, bring that to life in my heart. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Lead me, Holy Spirit, by your power forevermore. Lord Jesus, rule and reign over my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church, if you prayed that prayer just now or have ever prayed it in the past and you are a part of the body, would you join us? Would you celebrate with us and say, Lord, we know that your body was given for us and your blood was shed so that we might have salvation. We do this as one body, remembering what you did at the cross. And we cannot wait for you to return. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name. Church, I love you. Take the next step. Join us for discipleship this Wednesday, family series.